they've never really tried to put themselves in the other person's shoes. And sometimes that alone will create a huge amount of space for them to be able to kind of rethink the situation and engage in conversation. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's projects a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I'd check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hi, Best Ever listeners. How's it going? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. And welcome to Skillset Sunday. If you haven't joined us on Skillset Sunday before, then shame on you. You should have joined us by now, but that's okay. We're welcoming you with open arms and really glad that you're joining us today. And if you're a longtime Best Ever listener, then welcome back, my friend. Welcome back. On Skillset Sunday, we do a little bit different format than during the week. Skillset Sunday is all about one specific skill that either myself or our best ever guest in this case will talk about. And at the end of our conversation, you're going to be able to apply this one specific skill to your real estate business and do better. It's that simple. It's just going to be a very practical and applicable conversation and outcome for you. So we're really, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm sure you are. And our best ever guest today, Bruce Eckfeldt, is excited as well. How's it going, Bruce? Hi, Joe. Just fine. Bruce is based in New York City, my old stomping ground for the last decade. Now I'm in Cincinnati, but I used to be in, in East Village. He has over 20 years of experience building teams, products, and companies. He was previously an entrepreneur. Well, he's still an entrepreneur, but he previously was uh, the CEO of a Inc. 500 company that he founded. And he works with startups and high-growth companies to clarify their goals and set objectives. And non-business related <laughs> is that he beat an Olympian in, cross, in a cross-country ski race. And my first question, I told you, don't tell me anything no, else about you know this. Nothing. 
Well, my first question is, was the Olympian actually a cross-country ski race <laughs> expert, or were they like a swimmer? <laughs> ah, that would have been good. No, actually, it was an Olympic cross-country skier that I beat in a cross-country ski race when I was about 18 and uh, grew up in Minnesota, and uh, it was one of these long-distance races. Were they 90? Well, no, the caveat to the, to the story or the, uh, the trick here is that this was an Olympian from Mexico. So I, I think this is probably about his 15th time on snow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, how'd you come across him? You know, it's funny. We didn't realize till the end of the race where they announced that they had this, you know, Olympian from Mexico that participated in the race. We looked him up and actually I only beat him by about five minutes on a probably what is a two and a half hour race. But <laughs> but I beat him. That's my claim. You beat him. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I would have a plaque in my room <laughs> that I would look at and it'd also be on my phone and it'd also be on my desktop if I beat Olympian in anything, even if it wasn't their sport. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce, this is going to be a wonderful conversation. What is a specific skill that the best ever listeners are going to learn how to be an expert on? I thought we'd tackle conflict and, and specifically conflict resolution. You know, it's something I come across a lot in the coaching work I do and working with, you know, entrepreneurs of different types. And, you know, I think there's some good things to learn about it. So why don't we, why don't we talk about that? I like it. I like it a lot. My favorite book is Crucial Conversations. Absolutely. Oh, it's it's just an amazing book. And their whole thing is mutual purpose, having mutual purpose. And I, I'm excited to hear what your approach is and, and how you approach conflict resolution. Because clearly, as real estate investors, oh my God, there's <laughs> there's all sorts of opportunities for conflict. Are you saying there's conflict in real estate investment? Oh man, hey, hey, you're dealing with people. Anytime you're dealing with people, yeah. there's conflict from residents to buyers or sellers, real estate agents. This is going to be very useful. So I'm selfishly going to soak this up as well. So sure. how should we approach it? Well, so I think a couple of things to think about. And, and the first one I usually talk about is the fact that not all conflict is bad. So I think generally we kind of see this conflict and everyone gets kind of scared of it. You know, in fact, conflict is the way in which we resolve issues. And there's the really difference here we're talking about is constructive versus destructive conflict. So, you know, as we're engaged in conflict, we want to figure out how do we make it more constructive than destructive. And the way we do that is by, by really looking at what our needs are, what their needs are, and how do we find resolution that's going to maximize you know, both people's outcome on the, on the situation. A couple of ways that, that we can talk about it, but I think the big one is understanding the difference between positions, interests, and needs. Because I think oftentimes we're, we're often at a conflict of position, uh, you know, that I want A and you want A, and there's really no way to split up A in any, any reasonable way. But if we can back off specific positions and really understand what our interests and needs are and what the other person's interests and needs are, that's where we really kind of open up possibility. So the first thing I would advise people doing is, uh, you know, really take the time and think about, well, I know that I say that I want X or I want it in this way, but what is it that I really am interested in around this? And what are my core needs that I'm trying to meet? Now, how can I sort of back down to those or at least expose those in a way that we can start addressing, you know, both sets of needs uh, and both sets of interests in a way that actually may be combinable rather than at, at odds. So that's, that's the first thing I would say. You know, when you get into a specific conflict situation, another thing I really try to coach people on is understanding kind of this, the situational dynamic. So there are basically six things that I like people to think about. One is the power symmetry. You know, who has the power in this situation? Do you have a lot more? Do you have a lot less? Is it roughly equal? 
the relationship length, right? So are you trying to negotiate with somebody that you have a short or a long-term relationship with? The relationship value is how important is this relationship to you and, and to the other person? The importance of an issue, I can't tell you how many times people are spending a whole lot of time on conflict resolution over issues that are really just not that important. Yep. Cost of engaging. So how much does it actually cost you to engage in this conflict? So if I'm just going to sit down and talk to somebody, it's a lot different than if I'm going to have lawyers involved and people are going to be drafting things and I'm paying, you know, four or five, six hundred dollars an hour. And then finally, the cost of delay. So think about, well, what is it that I'm going to potentially lose or, or potentially gain uh, by delaying this conflict or, or dealing with this conflict? So all those factors kind of go into thinking about which approaches should I use. And the approaches that I like to look at are five basic ones, but it's a competitive one that basically says I'm looking to win uh, and I'm by sort of default that they lose. So there's a zero sum game. Everything I gain, I'm going to uh, or everything I take away from them, I gain. You know, that can be effective when the importance of the relationship is not very high. The cost of engagement can be quite high, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. You know, but for other situations, it's going to be a really downside. You're going to hurt the relationship. You're not going to be able to do business uh, with these folks well or easily in the future. Another strategy is collaborative. So this is where we're really looking at maximizing each other's needs. And even beyond just, you know, how do we meet each other's needs, but potentially how can we even meet more than what we, we started out with? So that the idea of collaborative is, is actually growing the pie. Compromising. So that's when you're really looking at how do I sort of, I get my important ones, but I may give up some of my other ones. You know, if they're going to give them up some other ones, I'm, we're going to we're going to compromise a little bit here and there. Accommodating is basically just saying, you know what, uh, fine. You know, if I can get these one or two things, then you can have your stuff. And then lastly, avoiding. So generally, avoiding is not a great strategy because um, it means you're just kind of pushing off the issue, particularly if you have, you know, cost of delay can be quite high. So avoiding is, is going to hurt you that way. Although sometimes an avoiding strategy is not a bad one, when, particularly when the power dynamic is such that you really don't have a whole lot of leverage. And in fact, uh, if the cost of delay is higher on their side, you know, avoiding can be a, a good strategy. So, you know, I, I know everyone kind of goes in with this. Everyone should be collaborative. And, and generally, I, I agree. But you really need to look at these different approaches, look at the situation and figure out really what is the best way to approach that. So, you know, unpack the needs. So understanding what your needs and interests are, look at the situation, understand what those considerations are, and then applying the different conflict approaches or conflict styles, uh, competitive, collaborative, compromising, accommodating, and avoiding, or kind of the framework that I generally teach or coach people on in, in terms of dealing with these situations. Yeah, it's really interesting when you're mentioning avoiding and how if you don't have a lot of leverage, just silence can help mitigate some of that and get you some leverage. The hardest person to negotiate against is someone who doesn't talk to you because yep. then you, you have nothing to work off of. If they don't value the relationship, you know, it, it's tough. And oftentimes, you know, what it, the way it will play out is you'll use avoiding strategy in a very particular sort of situation until you can change one of the other factors. So if you can, you know, create more relationship value, you know, avoid now, build up the relationship value and engage once you have better relationship value, that then you're going to, you know, allow them to, you know, move more into a collaborative role. Because sometimes, you know, if you look at the situation, they're going to be, they're going to play competitive. And if they're going to play competitive and you don't really don't have a lot of power in it, it's probably better to try to avoid for a little while, build up some of the other factors so that it makes it more difficult for them to take a competitive stance in, in the particular situation. It's almost like you're just like gathering 
chips. Like I'm at the poker table and I'm just like gathering a couple more chips for me to use in order to play the game. And if I I start out with a small stack, then I just kind of want to lay in the grass for a little bit and avoid everything until the time's right, until they come to me with something that I'm interested in. And then I am very selective with how I do it. And then I try to accumulate more chips or in this circumstance, just more more leverage. Yep. And and you can, you know, that may end up in a more of a accommodating or compromising situation where, you know, you realize that the chips are just, just aren't worth the cost, in which case, you know, you find the best accommodating solution that you can, or you move into a compromising where you say, you know, look, it's just not worth fighting over this for, you know, days and weeks. Uh, you know, just give me these two things. I'll give up this other stuff so you can have these and let's move forward. Like I said, I'm a big believer in, in collaborative work and collaborative solutions, but you do need to consider the, the cost of engagement. How long is it going to take to get there? What's the, the cost of delay if a collaborative process may take, you know, weeks or months? Sometimes a compromising or accommodating approach is actually a, a better overall solution given the sort of the overall context. And I know we can only control ourselves. We can only control what we feel, what we think, Mm -hmm. and the meaning that we give things. And we can't control other people. We can influence them, but we can't control them. So if we're negotiating with – or if there's a conflict with somebody – and we are going through these different styles or different options of should I be collaborative, accommodating, avoiding, and and eventually I think we'll want to – have it so it's second nature. We're not having to cycle through this Mm -hmm. consciously, but rather it's subconsciously. Once we're at a place where we know how to approach it, but the other person is being so darn stubborn Mm -hmm. and they're, they're just saying, let's say in this example, they want $50,000 for their house Mm -hmm. and they want it cash and they want to close next Monday. How do you walk them through this process without having to walk through the entire process? Well, I mean, to the extent that we're kind of bordering on negotiations a little bit, I mean, in terms of helping them understand the options that they have, helping fill them in on your thinking and your goals, I think all of that helps feed the information, the situation to improve the possible outcomes. I mean, look, at at some point, you know, if you're really in a you know, negotiation situation where sort of the conflict is we can't get the deal done, there's certain strategies there to kind of push or influence the pace or the pressure on things. I mean, the big one there obviously is the BATNA, you know, is have, make, making sure that you have a very clear alternative to a negotiated agreement so that, that you can apply pressure in the appropriate way. But if you're really trying to solve, you know, a conflict scenario, generally the more information you can put on the table and the more information you can gather, you know, check your assumptions and, and make sure that you're providing the information so they can check your assumptions. It helps everybody kind of figure out really where are we and what's the appropriate sort of mode or process for resolving these things. And, you know, quite honestly, you know, some, sometimes the, the conflict is not, you know, resolvable in the sense that everyone's going to walk away happy. Sometimes the conflict is we realize sooner rather than later, we're not going to walk away happy. So let's do it now before we build up a lot of the costs and we can figure out how to mitigate the downside of this. But, you know, getting information on the table and and checking your assumptions are probably the two big things I would suggest in those types of situations. Yeah, I think that is fantastic with when you're trying to solve a conflict. First, you check the assumptions because, you know, going back to the book I was referencing, Crucial Conversations, sure. I think they, they talk about 
don't tell yourself a story where we might make a, a false assumption and that false assumption just leads to disastrous domino effect yep. of other assumptions. And then lo and behold, we're, we've arrived at a destination that we have no place in, at being. Yeah, exactly. So first checking the assumptions and I think we can check assumptions with the other person just by kind of asking clarifying questions, right? Yeah, ask clarifying questions. Sometimes it's about just putting your assumption on the table of saying, you know, things like, well, look, this this is what I'm seeing in front of me. And when I see that, this is what I'm thinking, or this is what's in my head. This is how I read that situation. Is that correct? And actually telling your story so that they can, you know, help you interpret it. They can, they can say, well, no, actually, that's not what's going on. Or, or oh, interesting. I didn't, I hadn't thought about it this way, but I could see how you could read that. Again, it's getting that information on the table, not just the facts, but how you're thinking about it. I appreciate that you delved into negotiation because I kind of unintentionally led us down that direction. (laughs) I appreciate that you gave a couple tips on negotiation as far as helping them understand their options and then help them learn about our thinking and goals. And I've seen that firsthand, especially when making offers on properties and you're working with a broker and they say, hey, here's a good deal. And then I run the numbers and it's not the same numbers they have. That's okay as long as I share with them my line of thinking and I have a logical thought process in that. And then they understand how I run my numbers and that helps, you know, subsequent deals that they send me because then they have a little bit more of a filter of the properties that they send. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about a conflict you've had recently and you applied this process. Can you give us an example? Well, so I was negotiating uh, actually a lease, <laughs> that, a personal lease that I was in. And, you know, in, in that one, I realized that a, a vast majority of, of the terms that I was really interested in were from a power point of view, I wasn't going to have a whole lot of control. But I did realize there was one or two things. In, the, in this case, it was some amenities. There were some move-in dates. There was when we sort of started the lease, there was some painting and stuff involved. So, so I, I went through that and kind of figured out which pieces did I really care about and what did the landlord really care about. And, you know, on a bunch of them, quite honestly, you know, I, I wasn't going to be able to get them to move on rent. They were, you know, they, they had a whole bunch of needs around, uh, you know, as a management company and their investors and stuff, they can't really negotiate some of those numbers, but there's a lot of things they can. And so I found some things that were actually fairly important to me in terms of, um, you know, when I, when I exactly moved out in terms of the, when the move-in date was some of the painting and things like that and applied them strategically to figure out how to get those things at a reasonable, you know, at reasonable prices and reasonable um, sort of accommodating on some of the other ends. That's probably the best example I can come up with recently. I mean, definitely some issues, you know, clients and stuff that I've worked with that are dealing in their professional situations, whether it's dealing with conflict at work or taking new positions, where this stuff actually becomes quite applicable. And often what I find is that the hardest part is when I make them figure out what the other side's interests, positions, and needs are. Mm-hmm. Because that usually is a stopper. They haven't, they've never really tried to put themselves in the other person's shoes. And sometimes that alone will create a huge amount of space for them to be able to kind of rethink the situation and engage in conversation. Yes. Putting ourselves in the other person's position yeah. and what their interests are and what they need. Yeah. And then testing those assumptions. Exactly. Yeah, this has been great. What a wonderful conversation, Bruce. Thank you for being on the show You're very and, welcome. and spending some time with us today. Where can the best ever listeners get a hold of you? 
Sure. So I have a, a, actually an assessment that I do for my coaching clients uh, around conflict. And if your listeners want to contact me, they can send an email to conflict at com. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com. I will send you back a worksheet where you can fill out and send it back to me. And if you send it back to me within 24 hours of when I send it to you, I'll offer a half-hour coaching session where we can go through a particular conflict that you're having and um, see what we can do to to help uh, open it up a little bit and give you some strategies. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So any best ever listener who's doing a deal, thinking about a deal, having marriage problems. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I'll take it all. I'll take it all. Anything, anything. Yeah, Bruce wants to talk to you and, and help you resolve the conflict. Thank you so much for offering that to the best ever listeners. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll talk to you soon, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks, you too. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D dot com forward slash best ever.